1: watering hole and yes i am excited here in the 602 club because we are having a birthday party that is right it is eight years that the 602 club has been going as of this recording christy and i are actually recording on our birthday so happy birthday christy
0: happy birthday Uh. and hey i mean especially for you since you started it all uh it wouldn't have had a birthday without being born
1: Yes, yes. It's so true. Um in that sense. I I you know, I'm just thankful in in all honesty. Um I'm thankful that people have enjoyed listening, uh that people continue to listen and um the fact that we made it this far is incredible. In fact, I was looking and with the supplemental episodes, there are 440 episodes, which is crazy. Wow. Uh, and so, you know, I'm just, uh, again, I'm really thankful and, uh, you know, we're got a, I think a great opportunity to celebrate this week as we talk about the new DC comics film, black Adam starring Dwayne Johnson, AKA the rock. Uh, Mm -hmm. but, uh, you know, if you would like to help us out here on our birthday, we'd love it. Please, you know, go give us a five-star review or on Apple Podcasts for our birthday. We'd really appreciate that. Let us know what you're thinking of the show in that way. And, of course, we read out the reviews on the show. So we, uh, we thank you for leaving the review by making sure that everybody gets to hear your review. Uh, you can also find us wherever you get your podcasts and subscribe there. You'll get the show as soon as it comes out. And, of course, we've got our bonus feed. Uh, shows as well, like Snyder Cuts and Assembling Avengers. Uh, So you get those here in the same feed. Uh, You can also make sure that uh, you're following us and uh, sharing us on social media. Uh, You know, we've got at the 602 Club on Twitter, you can follow. And of course, at the 602 Club TFM over on Instagram. We'd love for you to follow us there and, and share our shows with people on social media and Obviously, that makes a big difference. Uh, and then, of course, uh, you can uh, find us online. We're on Facebook at facebook.com slash trek.fm with the entire network. There's a listeners-only discussion group where you can join the entire network uh, and talk about all of the shows that we've got. And we've got trek.fm where you can see everything that's happening on the network. And last but not least, would uh, like you to consider going over to Patreon uh, at patreon.com slash trek.fm. and becoming part of the team we are definitely below the line we would like to be uh for making sure that we can keep this network coming to you each and every week so again go over to patreon.com slash and see how you can help support us and actually uh chris and christy and i have some ideas of some things specifically here with the 602 club where we are going to begin doing uh, by the end of the year some bonus content that you will only find on patreon uh And so, if you would yeah. like to get access to that bonus content, our idea is at least to do four episodes a year with that, maybe more. so the more people we have in Patreon, the more reason we have to put content there as well. So you'll be able to find that here at the close of the year and starting uh in twenty twenty three so all that said, Christy, um, you know one of the things about many movies is they kind of end up in what's called development hell. And this specifically, Black Adam, is a film that was very much in that. And in fact, all the way back to the early 2000s, this film was actually just going to be the Shazam movie, where they were going to introduce both of the characters, and Black Adam would be the villain. And so I I just wanted to ask you, before we even start with anything else, whether or not... You would have liked that idea to have, you know, the first Shazam movie have also Black Adam in it where, you know, they're going against each other. Do you think that would have worked? You know, what what are your thoughts on that idea?
0: So I'm glad, honestly, that it didn't go that route just because I feel like you need some time when you're introducing a new character for the first time to not introduce too many all at once. And I think with somebody, an actor like Zachary Levi, and the way that he's playing this character, he's very, you know, bright-eyed and still just a kid in a giant man's body. So you need also that heart and for some time for him to grow as a superhero. And I think that rightfully so, they say it, it was a better idea really to not put Black Adam or at least, you know, Dwayne Johnson's Black Adam in that movie because it would have overshadowed Zachary Levi too much. Just because they're both very visible, well-known actors. Um, Not that some of the others weren't, but you know what I mean? Like Dwayne Johnson just has a really larger-than-life presence on screen, and I think you would have been vying too much back and forth.
1: No, I'm right there with you. You know, I, I think... And all honesty, you know, one of the things about uh, the characters is they are very much linked. You know, obviously, if you pay, if you pay attention in the Shazam movie, the story that's told uh, to Billy Batson uh, from the wizard is about the fact that the wizards had chosen what they considered poorly. Um, and uh, they took away the powers from that person. They never said the name, but they took a- those powers away and they had been waiting, you know, for... Uh, generations to have Billy come along, somebody that they thought, you know, might be applicable. And, you know, they were in desperate need at that point. And, you know, I I definitely agree with you and your assessment and, of course, the assessment that was made behind the scenes, which was, you know, if Dwayne Johnson is going to play the role of Black Adam, I do think that he brings a presence which could overshadow very much Shazam as a character. And it's hard to find somebody that can kind of go toe to toe in that way without having, like you said, some time on screen outside of that type of showdown where that can happen. And so, you know, instead of having that character be in the shadows, they decided to split them into two movies. And so. You know, I also think it's really interesting because they had also had the idea when uh, Gavin O'Connor was attached to the Suicide Squad of having uh, Black Adam possibly show up in a small role there. Um, And as the, you know, uh, Suicide Squad was tracking a weapon of mass destruction, uh, which would be revealed as Black Adam, which is also kind of an interesting choice. And I find myself kind of glad that they did not go that route either because I don't quite think that that would have worked either. Um, just Black Adam, I think, is is too much of a um, powerful character to go up against something like the Suicide Squad, which is one of the, the things that a lot of people had a problem with the Suicide Squad anyway, kind of fighting this big magical villain in the first place in what we got there and so yeah I think this was better left on the cutting room floor too and, and not something to pursue either.
0: And too, I mean even thinking about it from that point of view of uh introducing him possibly in Suicide Squad in the twenty sixteen film, I think that you needed that story more to be about them. You know, I mean really I, I like that the focus was mostly on Harley Quinn and then sure. later she gets her own movie, which I really enjoyed and You know, then we eventually got the other version of Suicide Squad. But I think that you. I I think sometimes they try to put too many superheroes in one movie when they're first introducing them. And I think that that's a difficult thing to do properly because everyone needs their own time to get to know each character.
1: No, I 100% agree with you in that. And I believe that is correct you know i i think too many films especially with the superhero genre these days have tried to cram too many things uh into too few movies and it definitely i think has hurt some films along the way um and you know the suicide squad i think itself is already filmed to which you know you have a lot of characters uh showing up in that right Mm -hmm. and you I think you're absolutely right. In many ways, you want to be focusing on, on those characters alone. Um, and so, yeah, I agree with you. Um, I think th- they made the right choice here, and I think it helps that um, you, you get the opportunity uh, to be able to introduce this character in their own film, give them a background. And I, I think part of that is is something that, you know, as we introduce this, the man in black, uh, as they kind of have him here, In this Mm -hmm. film, you know, one of the ideas of this is that uh, the director and uh, Dwayne Johnson talked a lot about him kind of being the Dirty Harry of the DC universe, right? That this is a character who um, sees that, you know, like systems are corrupt, you know, so uh, criminals are taking advantage and you just kind of need somebody as a cop who's going to kind of cut through all the BS and just get what needs to be done. Uh, And Johnson even said, and I thought this was really interesting. You know, he feels like the black and black Adam refers to the character's soul. Uh, You know, Mm. there's, there's no room or space for him being wrong. He's very myopic in his view. Um, There's no room for anybody else's opinion. Uh, And there's only room for him. He says, and space for him to justify anything that he does because of his pain. And I think that's very much the story that we get here with this character, right? Uh, a character who has been granted an incredible amount of power and with that power uses it to enact a vengeance and, and just let out his rage on, you know, people that have hurt him or people that he cares about. And, um, and I think that's really interesting because in many ways, you know, it is kind of the complete opposite of like a Superman, right? Who has this great amount of power and uses it for good. Um, and I think this is an interesting question because, you know, the DCEU has always been asking these type of questions about what do you do with the immense amount of power you have? Is the power good? I mean, gosh, Batman v Superman is all about people questioning whether or not Superman's really a good person, or maybe he's just a guy trying to do the right thing. Right. And here we have a character who's like, I have all this power, and I see people using their power to hurt other people, and so they should just be dead. Uh, he plays Judge, Jury, and Executioner. And I, to me, that was just kind of a fascinating way to introduce this character because, you know, we're really, in this film, it's it's about an arc for this character of kind of coming a little bit closer to the hero side but still being very keen on doing what he thinks is right or giving people what he thinks they deserve.
0: Yeah, I think that he clearly is so complex. And I like too that even the way that they introduce him, it's like not only is it that he is from thousands of years ago, so he's trying to come to terms with how things have changed, but he also is just a man of few words anyway. And so I think that also lends so much more impact to when he does speak and makes you pay more attention to his facial expressions and things like that because you're hanging on every word because there aren't that many. <laughs> and and then you can see how it, it changes for him and goes from just being purely driven almost like a predator. These are the few things that matter to me and that's what I'm going to accomplish And it's almost like he doesn't know what to do with himself when those things are challenged. You know, he, because of the way that he initially came about into his power, he's always been the apex predator, basically, since that point. So now having to fight these other heroes in order to stay in power and do what he thinks is right he actually is having to come to terms with maybe i'm not right all the time which as someone who's always right is really hard to do
1: yes no 100% <laughs> you know and i think uh, you know again that's an interesting juxtaposition between him and what we've seen in this universe of superman who is questioning and wanting to make sure that he is doing the right thing for the right reasons, right? Whereas Black Adam right. doesn't really have those questions, um, no. you know. And I think, you know, it's interesting. But when he says, you know, he when he tells Hawkman that he is born of rage, you know, and his his power, he doesn't even really know how to control his power because it is born of this rage, to which then overtakes him and it just kind of destroys everything in his path, and. You know, I think what's what's great about the movie is is showing how, you know, rage and revenge only lead to sorrow and death and Mm -hmm. that unless you're careful, you're actually going to kill the very thing that you're trying to save, which, you know, I I think I thought was kind of beautiful in the movie where he almost kills Amon. And it's at that moment where he is willing to, you know, turn himself in and say the word Shazam and put himself in, you know, eternal purgatory because uh, he's seen what his powers do um, and he can't control them. And I, I thought, you know, what was great is that the story here for Black Adam puts another, you know, mother and son there with him which is what he lost right Mm -hmm. and gives him the ability to be able to kind of overcome some of his more serious anti-hero tendencies um and that temper his Mm anti-hero and i think that's it's a it's a really interesting story because it definitely fits with the comics, too, because, you know, Black Adam is, he is kind of the classic, he's not really a hero, he's not necessarily a bad guy, but I think he's willing to go to extremes that other people aren't, and, you know, that's a interesting place to be, um, mainly because I also think it fits with the dubious morality that you kind of get with the Suicide Squad, right? You know, um, we have this kind of darker side of things, which I think is is really interesting to play with when you have other characters who are kind of so sold out to, you know, trying to be good, you know, like a Wonder Woman or a Superman or, you know, even kind of seeing that trajectory for Aquaman or, of course, you know, with Shazam. Like, all these characters are absolutely you know trying to stay on the light side and and definitely black adam is dancing in the
0: dark episode name <laughs> uh i actually wanted to say too that something that i love that they do with black adam and that i've always loved about the dc comics that i've read is that they sort of introduce the idea of yes he is not always good but who do you need when there's something worse than him that you're fighting. And that's when they end up deciding maybe we need him for some things because none of us can stand up to fight against this guy that's got the power of all the demons in his body with that crown. Yeah. None of their powers could stand up to him. And so they realized, you know, you kind of need the bad guy when there's a worse guy.
1: yeah yeah absolutely well and i i think what's interesting too is is that you know there is that question of not only them you know needing him but i mean black adam raises an interesting question to hawkman of like why are we going to let these people live when we know that they're just going to go on hurting people you know and mm-hmm. you know the the question of it is it is it better to take out those who will only continue to live violently and hurt others or not. You know, that's a moral question. And mm-hmm. so in, in you know in in what we see in many comic book stories and you know comic book movies or whatever is is that we do have this desire to see them brought to justice and, you know, obviously that's what the justice society stands for. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, putting people in prison and due process and all those kind of things. But it, it also does, I think, just raise a, a question. You know, if you have a place where the system is completely corrupt, like conduct, right? And mm-hmm. it's being run by inner gang, you know, where are you supposed to turn? You know, and, and is it... Not better to like, is it better to just kill these people because they are people who aren't going to turn from their ways or, you know, should we at least give them the, like give them a choice or, you know, I just, it's an interesting question. I wish they had leaned a little bit more into it in the movie because I I do find that fascinating. But it's it's one of the reasons that you have a character like Black Adam to exist just because. That is a, a good philosophical and interesting moral question to be asking in this type of world. And, and that's what comic book movies, when done well,
0: can do. Right. Well, it, exactly that's exactly to me what Hawkman's entire point is of existence is that you don't know if these people are only going to continue hurting people. Right. You're not omnipotent they mm-hmm. could yep. decide to change and so it's not your job to be judge jury and executioner right. yep that you're mm-hmm. not fate right everyone deserves a chance mm-hmm. and so i i and i've also always loved that about hawkman and also um i'm hoping in the future for a hawkman movie i'm just saying
1: yeah that would be i mean of course so uh one uh, one other thing obviously when talking just about the character of Black Adam, you know, this has been a passion project for Dwayne Johnson forever. And, mm-hmm. you know, ever since he first got mentioned, you know, fans kind of responded very well to the idea of him being cast in this role. And he has fought long and hard for uh, this character and to try and make the the best movie he could. And so, you know, what did you think of His performance, did it work for you in the movie? Did you feel like he did a good job finally bringing this to screen?
0: Well, first of all, I think that he's a natural fit for this kind of role because of the kind of characters that he's played, even in wrestling back in the day. I mean, he is so good with having a look that shakes you to your core or being, like I said, a a man of few words. And being very measured about what he does say. And so I think that this was something he also really looked forward to doing. Because he had done some things like that before. But didn't get to be a superhero. And had just done something like Jungle Cruise. Which is much more obviously lighthearted and silly. So I think he enjoyed getting to lean into his dark side more. And... And I saw, actually, from his Instagram how hard he trained even just physically for the role. even
1: more than normal. (laughs) Yeah.
0: I mean, he was like, I'm going to be more jacked than I've ever been in my whole life. Mm -hmm. And I was like, all right,
1: work. Is he he (laughs) the only person who's never needed padding in his superhero suit whatsoever?
0: Right? I don't know. Maybe not Henry Cavill. I mean,
1: yeah, I just like, I feel like he's, you know gotta be the only person where you absolutely don't need any padding you're literally just trying to put skin on his skin you know to show off all the work he did but yeah so no i i i agree with you i think dwayne johnson was definitely made for this role in many ways i think he did a great job um part of what you said i think really helped is that they leaned into the fact that he is a man of few words and Mm -hmm. and i think Johnson just did a great job portraying the whole thing. Um, I really enjoyed the scene, you know, where he actually surrendered to Hawkman when he finally tells the story of what happened and that he's really not the hero. Um, And I also enjoyed his interactions with Amon. You know, I thought that those were really genuine and, you know, obviously you can tell, I think... Wayne Johnson if if you've seen uh you know he has kids he he loves kids you know i think he did a great- He has daughters <laughs> yes but you know i think he he's good at at interacting with with kids um yeah. and so um and I, I just his interactions with everybody else in the cast i think were good as well so i i think he did great you know i mean you need him to work in this role because the whole movie is built around him and he delivers as the leading man here. And um, it's very much in line, uh, you know, with, you know, his Hobbes uh, character and, you know, the Hobbes and Shaw type uh, role, um, mm-hmm. except that he's a little bit more Shaw in this role instead of Hobbes, right? Um, because he's got a little bit more of that anti hero in him. And so he kind of... It, yeah, everything about this worked for me in his performance. I thought it was great. I thought they did a great job. Um, And so uh, how did you feel about the origin story itself and the way that they played that out, where they kind of, throughout the movie, reveal different pieces of this origin story till they finally reveal, like I mentioned just a few minutes ago, that it was Harut, his son, who was originally given the powers. And to save his life, Harut gives up his powers to his father, and then dies. Um, and uh, how did how did that work for you? Did 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 you realize that it was his father at the beginning of the film, or was that kind of a surprise to you? How how did it all work?
0: Well, I will start off by saying I didn't realize the turning point that we would have later, and it was it was actually his father. Um, that was Dwayne Johnson in the beginning. But I do remember in that scene thinking it's weird that they won't show his father's face, you know, cause they really don't mm-hmm. in that scene initially when they're introducing them. Um, but I love the way that they tell that whole story because it's not all at once, just knowledge dumping it on you mm-hmm. yeah, and really making you buy into their side of the story by showing these are the underdogs these are the people that you hear about all the time throughout history that were forced into slavery to help rich people get richer and have more and be more comfortable. And they're outside in the you know mud and the sun and dying and being treated like garbage. And so you immediately gravitate toward Harut and his family because you're like, man, this one kid who's not even the strongest one here or the wisest decided he'd had enough and he's, it's gotta be someone. Why not me to stand up to these people? So I really admired that. And I loved that. They give you pieces here and there um, and really drag you along with the story until finally they have the giveaway of, you know, the big moment where you find out all along that. Yeah. Black Adam was not the champion. He's not the good guy. I thought was such a good reveal.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, I agree. You know, I I will say uh, that I definitely kind of realized that that was probably who that was. You know, I was like, I think that's actually The Rock. And then I was mm-hmm. proven correct. So it was a suspicion that I had there. But I, I also, uh, I felt like, that they did a really good job of, you know, kind of building into the story. And, and mainly, too, you know, you were introducing this character for the first time uh, to a lot of people, you know. Uh, this is this is not um, a character who is, you know, the most familiar to people who are not in, who are not in the comic book universe world, you know, reading the comics and everything. And so yep. I think that's one of the things that, you know, makes this great is they do give you the ability to kind of fall into the story as they're telling it to you. And I think what it does then too is it it, it doesn't help explain the rage uh, and the anger and the vengeance that Black Adam has as a character uh, and to why he would, you know, want to use his power in this way. I, I think, you know, there's no There's no better reason to want to to use a power like this for vengeance than to have your family killed. And, mm-hmm. you know, um and the fact that he wasn't like his son in that, right? Like he he wasn't the person who was willing to fight. Uh, you know, he was, he was actually the person who was, who, who thought that to be a myth, the idea that we could be free, you know? Mm -hmm. And so that wasn't even who he was as a person. Um, and in many ways he's learning from his son. He's learning from, you know, the characters like, uh, Dr. Fate and, you know, Carter Hall. You got, uh, you know, people like Adriana and her son Amon who are kind of showing him what it means to uh, be a hero and what it means to use your power for something other than, you know, what you want. Um, Right. Or uh, to see it used as something other than for, you know, enslaving others you know there there's the whole question in the in, the, in the, the movie about you know enslavement uh using a power for that or for liberation and and how do we do that and you know what makes that work and everything and so i think uh you know again the way that they slow roll the complete story of black adam till about you know two-thirds of the way through the film makes a lot of sense. And again, I think it really helps build into the character somebody who is obviously slightly more complex than just a straight up, you know, anti-hero, right? He has good reasons for his anti-heroistic tendencies, you know, and so, yeah, I I thought that that actually worked
0: really well. Um, Yeah. And even how it shows that, the myths that we're told can be wrong. You know, I, I love that they bring into it that Adriana is talking about how the stories have been passed down through generations about how there would be a champion that would return and, you know, what he had accomplished before and that he would come back. Right. Um. And then f- to find out that they were told the wrong thing.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, But and- that he could still yes. be that
0: guy. Yes. Yeah
1: you know i i think you know that's a great uh, that's a great thing about uh, this this movie as well is, is that it does show how you know the legends that have been passed down to us you know some of those may or may not be true right um and and may have been changed or edited uh to create um you know more likable characters you know um and it, and in, in I thought, you know, that's. I think that's something that again works to the movie's benefit of just not having things just be so you know black and white, um, and and that's what also I think makes this character more interesting, right? Because I think one of the parts of of um, the storyline and the origin for Black Adam here is that we're kind of moving a character from being just black and white. To helping him see more shades of gray, right? Uh, right, and that there, there, there are ways in which to uh, assess a situation that aren't just straight up and down, you know, like it's either one thing or another. Um, and you know, again, coming into the whole idea of like you, you don't get to play fate, um, and uh, for people. And so, yeah, I again, I, I, I really liked the way this worked, and in getting to see it a couple of times, I got to sit with it for a day and then see it again. And I was like, no, that I think that really still works. And so I really liked it. So we mentioned in all of that, uh, that the justice society gets introduced in this film. Uh, and this also connects us first. You know, we, we see connections with the other DCEU movies, and Amanda Waller being there. She's the one who ends up calling um, the uh, J- justice society and, and Carter Hall, who's Hawkman uh, to bring him in, to deal with this problem. And so Yeah, first, what did you think about the introduction uh, of this into the DCEU? Uh, How did that work for you? And, yeah, I mean, what were the
0: standouts for you with the team? So I was aware of some of the characters of the Justice Society because of the few DC comics that I have read. Um, Hint, hint, obviously, I like Hawkman. Um, But I like that they did tie it in. Loosely with the other films we would have seen with having Amanda Waller there with um, not having them come in straight away in their costumes, even, but making you have to sit and think, Okay, who is this guy that she's talking to that she's sending after Black Adam? Um, How is anyone going to be able to stand up to him and his powers? Um, And then even how do they work as a team and I think, too, it was obviously a big risk for them to bring in an actor that's still pretty green, I would say, to these kind of movies, with Noah Centineo as Al, um, who, uh, you know, Adam Smasher, um, and then also with Quintessa Swindell as Cyclone. I'm not as familiar with those characters, but I do think that although they were not as seasoned of actors as, say, Pierce Brosnan. They held their own with him. And I I think that it was really cool to get to actually have this be a movie that not only introduces you to a character as big as Black Adam, and obviously it's his movie, but also then shows the connective tissue. And that we're then eventually going to see how this has a ripple effect into future movies
1: yeah absolutely um you know i i'm with you in the sense that i i liked the connection specifically with you know amanda waller being the one there you know we've seen at the end of the suicide squad she has to talk with bruce wayne you know um you know and she's had a hit, huge impact uh throughout the series and it's interesting kind of her being almost the nick fury uh, i've seen that reference you know where she's kind of the connecting piece here which is great um I 100% agree with you. Uh, I thought that Noah Centineo and uh, Quintessa Swindell uh, as Cyclone and Adam Smasher were actually really good, and they I thought that they made the most of the screen time that they had. Um, They they left an impression. The little bits of story that we got with them, I thought, were really fun. I thought their characters were fun. You know, I think Adam Smasher added an enjoyable bit of levity with his back and forth with Hawkman and kind of messing up because he is so green. Right. And I I thought, you know, that could be, people could get annoyed with that, but I also thought that's so realistic, right? That if you're being brought in kind of on your first mission as a superhero of this level, are you going to do things right? You know, I mean, I think in many ways this actually fits very well with, you know, what we've actually seen in the DCEU in the first place. You know, Superman's first day on the job is when he has to battle Zod, right? Does he handle that mm-hmm. perfectly? No, but isn't that kind of the point, you know? And so I think that uh, there were some great connections in the sense that I think the storytelling structure and the and the way they're telling the story there is actually fitting with what we've already seen in the DCEU going um, from the very beginning. And so, yeah, mm-hmm. I really enjoyed both of their characters a lot. Um, and I was actually thinking to myself, like, I want to see more of them. I thought they really owned the roles and made them interesting enough that I'm like, yeah, I would, I, they could be back in another film, and, and that would be great. Um, I thought Aldous Hodge as Carter Hall was, was really good as well. Um, I've always liked the character of Hawkman in the first place, yes. and you know, very cool character. The fact that he's Carter Hall, he's the one who reincarnates was really interesting. I think that actually does a, a great thing for anyone who knows the comics when you come in, and you know, Dr. Fate is having all of these visions, and whether or not he's going to live or not, and you're thinking to yourself, well, oh, I mean, it's okay if he gets killed, because he'll reincarnate as is, is another version of Carter Hall, right? But, mm-hmm. and it kind of throws you off a little bit, and... But I, I thought he was great. It makes me want to see Hot Girl. I know they had mentioned, uh, and, and when I was reading, is that uh, Cyclone was actually supposed to be Hot Girl for, but for some complicated reasons, uh, they couldn't include her in the film. And so, you know, he's talked about in interviews the fact that he would love to, you know, explore that in, in a future film, which I think was great. But I mean, I don't think it can be argued. That the true standout in the Justice Society is Pierce Brosnan, is Dr. Fate,
2: who... Yeah.
1: Is a, is, he's phenomenal. He's phenomenal. Mm-hmm. Um, I think he gives an incredible performance. I think he helps bring it all together and adds a lot of gravitas to the film. And it's it's devastating when he dies at the end, I, I feel. Like, I'm... I'm sad that he's gone and I and in many ways I kind of hope that there's a way to bring him back um you know but the the thing about Dr. Fate is that you know anybody can be chosen by the helmet to become Dr. Fate um you know by the Lords of Order uh they choose who they want to be their next avatar and so you do have the opportunity to bring in somebody of course who is younger to be Dr. Fate But maybe be just as powerful, but that's going to be hard to do in the sense of like film gravitas because Pierce Brosnan, I mean, he just absolutely brings it in this film.
0: Yeah, I think especially with that character that on the introduction you needed somebody that was that seasoned to really show more of like a father figure even, Mm -hmm. and that it fits that character really well. Because you would see you know someone that's older is wiser kind of thing right, anyway, right, so he brings that to it, and then just the the brief time that we get of him and Hawkman together, you get the weight of how much they are close friends and depend on each other and understand mm-hmm. each other, yeah, so that it does have that weight when Dr. Fate dies, yeah, um and I mean, talk about a cool costume first yeah, of all,
1: very cool. Yeah.
0: And then his powers, it's almost, it, it gave me a little bit of um, Doctor Strange vibes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, that's a weird thing to say, isn't it?
1: <laughs> no, not at all. In fact, you said that. And I was thinking that Pierce Brosnan, one of the reasons he mentioned in an interview that he decided he wanted to do this was he had an enjoyable time watching Benedict Cumberbatch as. Doctor Strange.
0: Okay then. Then and it's not so, that weird.
1: You know, uh no, I think it, it absolutely is that way. And and it is interesting, you know, Doctor Fate has a lot of esoteric and interesting powers in the comics and stuff. And if you've even seen uh you know, Young Justice, he he's a part of that series as well. And he just has these I mean, it it is hard to and in many ways to pull it off, I think, but I think they did a great job on screen of just even giving you a taste of of the type of powers that he has. Um, but mm-hmm. I think you nailed it when you said that he has this fatherly role towards all of these characters, and that's kind of what makes you love him. And I, because I do have more DC knowledge, the idea that him and Carter Hall are friends made sense as well, because it made me wonder, did he know a previous incarnation of Carter Hall as well? and right. you know so like there's that piece of it which is really really cool so man yeah i mean i we could talk i think the rest of the podcast about you know just how well pierce brosnan worked but i don't think i've seen anywhere where people haven't just come out of the film kind of raving about him as dr fate
0: and uh, just to go back to your point about bringing up um hawkman and hawk girl that was um a run of comics that I did read a fair amount of and why I'm such a fan of Hawkman. And I'm wondering if the reason that they didn't bring her into this movie is that they are going to get their own movie, which would be fantastic because I will tell you if anyone hasn't read those comics and doesn't know their story, it is so relatable and especially in a movie that's kind of dealing with like Egyptian esque mythology. Right. Um, that the two of them are like star-crossed lovers that constantly reincarnate and come back together in another life. And so it is just just an incredible story that you can really use in a timeless way because that's how it is.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. 100% agree with you. Uh, you know, they were on the first season of Legend of Tomorrow uh, as characters. Mm-hmm. And so uh, that, and, and I, like you, have have read comics with them as well and I've always enjoyed them as characters and so I would be very glad uh, to get a chance to see them uh, together on screen so um, we have what I was calling the conduct characters or our main characters of Adriana and uh, Amon and Karim um, and you know I I liked all of them in all honesty um, I thought all of them did a good job. I love Karim and his humor, you know. Uh his yeah. his music choice was fantastic. Uh, and, mm-hmm. you know, I, I thought each of them did a especially Amon and Adriana, the way that they relate to to Black Adam as a character is really what's important in the film in in many ways. And I thought that they both did great jobs of helping us see different pieces of this character and also helping Introduce them, introduce him to you know the the completely different century. Five thousand years is a long time, and so I I bought all of them. I thought they were great, and you know um, I don't really have anything, in all honesty, in, in bad to
0: say about them at all. Yeah, they really. Bring around the soft side, if there is one, of Black Adam. Because obviously, like you said earlier, very well said, that it's also that Black Adam is seeing in Adriana and Amon, his son and wife, that he lost. And so immediately, he's got some level of mercy toward them. You know, he wakes up in Amon's bedroom and he's not just going to throw him out the window. He mm-hmm. just says, please move. Right. <laughs> you know, I'm trying to be nice here, kid, but you're getting on my nerves. And gets to know him and, and realizes that obviously Amon is that scrappy kid that is not just going to let you walk off and not explain yourself to him. Right. Yeah. And really looks up to Black Adam like a dad that he doesn't have and looks to him for protection right. even when maybe he shouldn't. And I think that also is then what makes Black Adam feel that he needs to live up to that. It's yeah. like yep. this kid and his mom see me this way. Maybe I could do that.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I agree. And uh, I also think, you know, what's great about it is, you know, she's really uh, – She's the character who he shows mercy towards. And and obviously I think it, it's because I think, you know, he's kind of reminded of his, his wife and her. Uh, and then of course, you know, you, you have him on, I think that reminds him so much of his son. He has much of that spirit, um, which I think is, is so great. And you know, that, 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 revolutionary spirit of, you know, wanting to be free and wanting to help other people be free. And so, yeah, 100% mm-hmm. agree with you. And and I think they both just, like you said, they do a great job of giving you the softer side of a character who doesn't really seem to have one and help kind of bring that out into him. And, and I think their relationship with him is what allows you to then be able to have that character become, you know, uh, less... Uh, black and white in many ways. Um, be able to see mm-hmm. a little bit more nuance where needed. And so, I, yeah, I really liked that. Um, you know, we have our, our villain here in Ishmael who becomes Sabak, And, you know, I I don't necessarily have any issues with it. I think it's fine. Um, and, you know, it, it feels... Uh, In many ways, to me, this villain felt very much akin to what we got with Ares in Wonder Woman. Very similar type of of villain uh, in that, you know, and um, the villain is really there to give the hero of the story somebody of their power level to be able to fight. Um, But, you know, I also, this... I, I think it was interesting because, you know, you obvi- you have a villain who's basically tra- trying to unleash all the powers of hell on Earth, literally. And, um, you know, you need powerful heroes to be able to go against that. And and that's, you know, I mean, it's, it's like in Man of Steel, you bring in Zod. Why? Because you want somebody who's at the same power level of Superman. You bring in this mm-hmm. type of villain because you need um, a villain who is has the powers of, you know, uh, your hero. But I also thought, you know, it was nice to have the connection full circle. Uh, you know, that he's the, uh, not only is he the leader of inner gang here in Kondok, but he's the last living descendant of the King. And right. of the original King that enslaved Kondok, Mm -hmm. right. Uh, and so kind of brings full circle, the whole idea of that, you know, that King is originally the one who enslaved Kondok and, and now his son has been the one who has continued to enslave condock with, uh, inner gang. And now black Adam is finally putting an end to that, you know, with the help of the justice society. And um, so, and even the people of condock right? Uh, so yeah, yeah. I, I thought he worked as a, a villain just fine. So,
0: yeah, I think obviously I'll say a little about his character design, we've kind of seen things like that before. Sure. Um, it's not oh, an yes. entirely new idea. <laughs> yes. No, not <laughs> But at I all. like that they're kind of introducing to this whole um, other side of the DC that I like as well, which is like that um, dark, magical, um, fantastical side with the, you know, demons and showing the demon world a little bit and the, um, Motivations for him, and I I like even that they show when he does finally get to the former palace that he sits on the remnants of the throne, Mm -hmm. and that later, then when Black Adam has defeated him, he sits on it for a second, and they say, "How does it feel?" And he said, "Wrong." (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) you know, because it's like it's not who I am. It's everything that I stood up against. So Mm -hmm. it does feel wrong, and I have to destroy it. Yeah. So. Yeah, it, it was a really great way to show him have a change of heart and realize that things are not so black and white. And like you said, I really love that you talked about how it's come back full circle from where it started. Yep.
1: Yeah, Um. I think, you know, you speaking of that leads me to kind of talk about the action and the effects in this movie. And uh, I think if there's one thing about the villain that, you know... It, it reminds me very much of Ares in the sense of you know even just the visual effects that bring him to life. It, it it's not as good as it should be. Uh, they should have spent some more time and I think on that for sure. Yeah. Um,
0: but on Sabak,
1: yes, mm-hmm. yeah. in the creation of him as a CGI character, it, it needed much more definition. It needed to feel much more real than a video game. Um, but you know, I enjoyed. I think most of the rest of the action in a uh at, well specifically the action you know i i that fight at the very beginning where he's taking on all the guys and then he comes out and you know they start playing um rolling stones you know and it goes into slow motion about how he's killing everyone and everything like mm-hmm. I, I that's great right you know like all that stuff was great you know i thought the fights between you know him and the justice society were fantastic uh, in many ways, you know, all of that. The only thing I could say is just, I f- I feel like, and and this happens with, it's, look, I, I have this complaint really about so many Marvel things that are being done too. It's just that I feel like these eff- effects houses are so overworked, they just can't put out their best content, right? One of the things we talked about with um, Avatar was the fact that regardless of how you feel about the movie, uh, the movie holds up, in the sense that it is 100% consistent in the way the effects look. And, mm-hmm. you know, that's just something that can't be said about Black Adam, unfortunately. And it should be said about these type of films because you want the effects to be good. Um, and so, you know, that that's really my only big downside, I think, um, in that is that I think the action was great, but sometimes the effects, you know, uh, just don't live up to what they should be. So,
0: Yeah, I'm with you on that for sure. And obviously the place you notice that the most is with Sabacc. Um Thankfully, at least they didn't have to do mm-hmm. a lot of that in this movie. Um, but, you know, I think that it was good that they were also able to avoid that initially in the beginning as well by having real actors you know, dressed as the people of conduct that are working in the mines. And, right not trying to do all of that with CGI either.
1: Yeah. Yeah, no, I I agree. You know, uh, and and again, there was some stuff that was really good. uh, And uh, there were some stuff that wasn't quite as good. And, you know, again, Mm -hmm. in many ways, I think that's to be expected. Um, And unfortunately, just because, you know, that's what happens to all of these films, unfortunately. Um, And so uh, I I do want to ask you about this because... in this movie, it is really a big part of the film. And it always is when you're creating a new superhero character is the music. And so what did you think of Lauren Balfe's uh, soundtrack for this? I mean, he's done additional work for the Dark Knight trilogy. He did the Lego Batman movie. More recently, he did the Mission Impossible Fallout soundtrack. He's done a lot of other things recently as well. I think he even did the music for Wheel of Time, the terrible TV show. The music was fine. The the TV show was not great, um, on <laughs> Amazon. So how how did you feel about his themes, you know, and,
0: and and the way the music worked here for the the movie? I'll say I thought it was pretty good. I think that it obviously worked well enough for me that it didn't bother me. But I think that it could have had a more memorable theme for Black Adam himself. Um, that's the one thing that I feel like we've lost lately is that you know for like all of Star Wars, for example, all the main characters had their own specific musical theme that whenever that plays, you know Luke is on screen, mm-hmm. Ray is on screen, you know, and here it just felt a little bit like, Come on, give me something it's Black Adam, larger than life, so i I do wish we had gotten something like that, but I think it was good, and I, I liked the additions of some popular songs as well. Um, so overall, it it works. It's okay. Yeah. How did you feel?
1: I actually really liked it. Um, and part of that is that I think the the theme for Black Adam and then the one he created for the Justice Society have, uh, I would say, they're kind of like dark mirrors. They're kind of like dark mirrors for what Hans Zimmer did for Superman in Man of Steel. Uh, And they have some similar uh, kind of like musical phrasing, uh, but they're in a minor key, uh, and therefore I think it really works. I think he did uh, a good job and I think it fit the film. You know, I, did, I also enjoyed the popular music choices. I'm glad there weren't too many of them. Um, and, you know, I think the, the, the first one was uh, really ov- uh, I think the second one is obvi- obviously really obvious using the Rolling Stones, but um, using Baby Come Back was just hysterical. Uh, mm-hmm. And, you know, I love that song anyway. It's just a great song. Uh, so, yeah. yeah, just to, I really enjoyed the soundtrack and I've actually enjoyed listening to it. I think it was, it really fit and um, I, I like the themes. So, but we have one last thing to talk about. I think I like Christy uh, and that's he's back. <laughs> he's back. Henry
0: is back as Superman. Uh, and so, and you uh, would catch that if you watched the mid-credit scene. Yes. I hope we've all learned to stay and wait for the end. Yes.
1: Which, you know, I I want to talk a little bit about the behind the scenes of this, which is that Dwayne Johnson asked for this a lot. And that the previous uh, DC Films president, Walter Hamada, had rejected the idea because he had his own plans for Superman projects. And it just, I... I love that Johnson finally went to the co-chairman of Warner Brothers Picture Group. He basically went over Hamada's head to get this approved. (laughs) And that, in fact, uh, this final scene with Henry was shot in London in September 2022. So they just got this in. Like, that's how long... He's been fighting for this, though, forever. And, like, I think the thing that one, it makes me so frustrated with the previous DC administration and how stupid they were. It's like, and and Dwayne has been saying this over and over again in interviews. You've had the biggest character in the world on the bench for too long. And it yeah. just, whether I love this movie or not, which we haven't got to our ratings yet, so nobody knows. Um, mm-hmm. But I'm eternally grateful for the fact that Dwayne Johnson understands the relevance of Superman and how important he is to this DC universe and that Henry Cavill is this generation Superman and therefore deserves to be on screen. And I'm so thankful that he fought so hard and got this done for the fans uh, and for Henry because this is a character who absolutely deserves to be in more movies Um, and to have more movies. I mean, and you think of all the time that's been wasted. I was saying this to some friends today. Henry could have had like three Superman movies by this point, if they hadn't been so bullheaded about this.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I I think there's a couple of big things that happened. This had to happen this way or else it wouldn't have gone through. I think for one, Dwayne Johnson at this point in his career has much more influence than he had even 10 years ago because he's proven to be someone that works hard nonstop, Mm -hmm. that knows a lot of people, that is a very likable person. He doesn't make enemies um, and really kind of stays out of the tabloids. You know, he doesn't make stupid decisions like some people do in the celebrity world and so he is very likable in that sense he's not a lawsuit waiting to happen every Mm -hmm. five minutes yeah and so he has a lot of influence and saw an opportunity where he could go and get this pushed through yes and i'm like you so glad that he used his influence for good in that way Mm -hmm. and for somebody else not just himself and two You and I have both agreed that, you know, we kind of have a crush on Henry Cavill because he's so dedicated to his work Mm -hmm. and that he only picks projects that he is really interested in and cares about, like The Witcher. He knew the books long before he knew he would play the character. Right. And I think that's how he feels about Superman and would do it justice. Mm -hmm. And And has already done it justice. We've seen it, right? Yeah. So, yeah, and I think, too, the other thing I was going to add was just that I think we had too many other iterations recently of Superman that fell through, obviously, like Brandon Ralph. Um, they have a different um, actor playing Superman on the TV show. Um, and then also then finally had Henry Cavill. And I think that they really dropped the ball, not giving him more to do with Superman.
1: Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, there's so much that could be said at about all of that, but I think one of the beauties too is that as the day we're recording, Henry Cavill, uh, announced on his Instagram to his father, followers, uh, and to the world that this is only a taste of what's to come, uh, and that he thanked everybody for their patience and for their support. And, you know, I'm, I'm very glad he's back. Now, one interesting thing about the cameo here where he comes in, uh, at the end and, and has a little conversation with Black Adam uh, about how the world is a little bit wary of this character and how it's been a long time since anybody that's been this wary of anybody coming to Earth like this, um, is that he's actually wearing the suit from Man of Steel instead of the suit that he wore in Batman v Superman. There are some differences to the suit itself. Um, the uh, shield in it actually... For the man of uh, for the BVS suit has a Kryptonian inscription that was added, um, and there are some subtle differences just to uh, some other parts of the suit. the The cape is different um, Mm -hmm. in the sense that it's made out of a different material. the The parts around Henry's waist are a little bit different. Um, Instead of like being an oval uh, like belt buckle, basically in the middle, uh, it's square. So there are some differences. And this suit is, is the Man of Steel suit that we originally saw in that first film. Um, so, which is very interesting because, uh, I, Christy, this is definitely in the weeds. Um, but in Joss Whedon's version of Justice League, Henry is wearing the BVS suit. And, you know, it's been brightened and everything and, and, there, and all that. Um, And what's interesting is that, uh, you know, we know from Zack Snyder's Justice League, obviously, uh, Superman chooses to wear the black suit when he comes back, right? Um, And so I was just really interested because I feel like this gives you the opportunity as a fan to... If you're a big fan of Zack Snyder's Justice League, I think it actually fits with that, right? Um, and in the sense that, um, you know the the previous suit that he had had a big hole in it. Obviously, you know he got stabbed through the the chest, um, and that you know the the Man of Steel suit, you know, it almost seems to me as like you could read into this. Maybe I'm just reading too much into it. That, you know, maybe this is the the the. Ch- this is the point in time where Superman has chosen to put back on the old suit, you know? Mm-hmm. And um that was what was hanging in the closet, right? Um was the suit he had for Man of Steel. Um now I know people might come at me and say, like, Well it just in Zack Snyder's Justice League, it was you know, he they they had the old other suit and it was the B V S suit and I'm like, Okay, I know. Maybe he just had this one hanging at the farmhouse, you know? And uh so mm-hmm. I all that to say is that I just think it's an, it is an interesting choice to put him in the Man of Steel suit because what we saw in Joss Whedon's version was the fact that it was the other suit, and so this almost muddies the waters between the two. My guess is is that in all honesty, this was filmed so last minute. I'm actually wondering if this is hen if Henry had just a the Man of Steel suit, and filming this in london not in la that's the version they went with because that's what henry had available you know i'm guessing Mm -hmm. that this really has more to do with this being so last minute than anything else um and it's not really but that was just some interesting thoughts that had come into my head uh about you know those two movies that you know had so much said about them and yeah, mm-hmm. You know, this doesn't directly really follow what we saw in Joss Whedon's version of Justice League. It actually, to me, fits a little bit better with Zack Snyder's Justice League, which is more exciting to me. So anyway. Mm-hmm. It's uh, fun to speculate. Yeah, the point. exactly. Exactly. <laughs> so thank you for indulging yeah. me that. But I, I just yeah. feel like more than anything, both you and I are on the same page 100% in the fact that we just are so excited he's back. Like, so oh, yeah. excited.
0: So he, to me, it's like, christopher reeve reincarnate i mean he just feels like such a natural fit for this character
1: mm, i agree yeah i agree with you well yeah. all that to say christy i'm very interested to see where you come down on your ratings for black adam
0: so i was really um i will not say pleasantly surprised but a little bit surprised at how much i liked this movie because i really didn't know what to expect I will say this is kind of an area in the DC comics that I'm not familiar with. And uh, although I had heard of the characters and knew that there was some kind of tie obviously to Shazam because of the lightning bolt commonality um, that I didn't know how it would go or what the story really would revolve around. And I think they did such a good job in particular with the writing, with boiling this down to the most important points, not jazzing it up with too much about the universe about all the ties to the other films or anything like that that it really focused on the character study of who is black adam what made him this way and what is he going to do now Um, and then how does he get to know or fit in with the other heroes with justice society and in the future you know possibly with superman i thought was clearly the focus and was done well so, I mean, I won't say it's a perfect movie, but I will give it a four out of five lightning bolts because oh, that's great. I thought the casting was done very well. It has me looking forward to possible shoot offs of this, like I said, like a Hawkman and Hawk Girl movie, knowing what I do about that character um, and then seeing where they're going to go and possibly having, you know, I was joking with you earlier, if they put Aquaman, Superman and Black Adam in one movie, my mind is gonna explode. I will be I will be that excited. <laughs> and I, I
1: would want to fly to Atlanta just to see that. Uh, that would be fantastic.
0: Um Yeah. And then, you know, if they have an autograph session, I'll be there. Oh man, that would
1: be fantastic. Oh, I would love that. I would want yeah. to go to that too. Um so like you, I I, I, I was pleasantly surprised as well. Um, Not because I don't think that this could have been a good movie or or thought it it was going to suck or anything, but I just wasn't sure. You know, I I think Mm -hmm. there's, I I think it's much like the Star Wars universe has been where there's been so many ups and downs, right? With things getting announced and so much turmoil behind the scenes. It makes you wonder how things are going to turn out on screen. And I... I mean, we went with some friends and everybody was kind of like laughing and having a good time at they were laughing at all the right points. Right. Like everything uh, uh, that was being uh, all all the you know humorous moments people were laughing at. Like mm-hmm. we went to a theater on Friday night, so opening night, people were like cheering at points and of course, like cheering at the end when Superman came on and like. People were really excited about this film, and um, I I really enjoyed it. I thought it was so much fun. I had a great time with it. it and I think one of the beauties of, the, of this is the sense that, you know, this isn't my highest ranking in the DCEU. This is not my lowest ranking in the DCEU. This is a, a movie that I think just really fits within a, a nice place, which, you know, I don't think that every single comic book movie needs to be like super deep and all that stuff. Like I think we can also Mm -hmm. just have fun and I think we got to have some great conversations about things uh, in this film that we thought that it brought up. But I think this film from start to finish knew exactly what it was trying to be. Was it, it was going to be a film for people to come and have a good time. And I think that's exactly what it delivers on. Uh, And I think that because of that, uh, I give this three and a half out of five stars. And honestly, the only thing I feel like that just could have made this better for me was not really anything in the writing or anything like that. But to me, I, I feel like that if if they had leveled up in the effects, I would have given this, uh, you know, an extra half star and I would have put it at a four. Um, it really was just the fact that I, I really want studios to start paying more attention to the effects um, and um, I don't I, I I want them to start paying more attention to the effects because it needs to be done um, mm-hmm. it's um, these you know these movies are effects spectaculars and when you're not really paying attention uh, to those as much as you should be uh, I think it does hurt the movie a little bit. Um, and yeah. so, uh, yeah, but I really enjoyed this movie and I highly encourage everybody to go see it. I think it's so fun and um, so worth seeing and I think it's a great addition to the DCEU and I think it adds a lot of fun characters. I mean, obviously, their desire is for him and Superman to face off one day, you know, um, not not mm-hmm. right away, but that's what they want to have happen, you know, so they they have a desire for Really cool things to happen in DC EU and I can't wait to see that happen. Um But Christy, uh it is that time of the show where we give our recommendations. So what would you like to recommend to everybody this week?
0: So I'm getting back to my roots here with some comics and uh you know, obviously you're the more versed in the DC comics than I am, but there were a few that I really enjoyed that I'm like, man, I wonder where those are in my collection. I need to dig those back up again. Um so I'm going to recommend people check out Um, Justice League Dark, created by Peter Milligan, that came out initially in 2011. And that was actually a run that I read, I think, every issue of and still have buried somewhere. And I liked it because, like I was saying, it really focuses on more of the occult, dark, magical side of things. And brings in some characters for a much more regular following than you usually see, like Zatanna... Uh, John Constantine, um, Dead Man, who I learned about from this run, yeah, and yeah. Swamp Thing. It's just a really interesting team up and the stuff that they get to do together. it It is kind of along the lines of what you see with like a Doctor Strange, but the DC version. And I think a little bit cooler, if I have to say so myself. So yeah, check out Justice League Dark, the comic book run that came out in 2011. Um, I really think you won't be disappointed.
1: Yep, hundred percent, hundred percent. Well, I uh, I'm going to recommend to everybody. I went and saw a movie in the theater that I really enjoyed. I thought it was really good, big cast, uh, and I know it hasn't gotten great reviews, but I enjoyed the film, and it's called Amsterdam. Um, and you know, it has so many people in it. It's directed by David O. Russell, but I thought it was one that was worth seeing, and I had a great time in the theater with it. Um, it it's it's definitely um, it's definitely not expected like and and it's a story that's actually based on some historical events as well which was really interesting so it was zany and fun and i really enjoyed it and i definitely think that i would love to hear what other people thought of it but christy if people wanted to you know catch up with you and see what else you've got going on these days where would they find you
0: well you can find me on instagram and twitter of course at bespin bell and in the babel conference on facebook and, of course, uh, if you want to look up the finished show that I did with my friends Amanda and Teresa, you can check that out at Sabers and Spells on the Skywalking Through Neverland Network. And stay tuned, like Matt said, for future stuff we're cooking up with doing some Patreon-only special content. It'll be really fun. So, uh, anyway, hope that you'll check that out, too.
1: Yes, it is going to be really fun. And of course, you could find me all over uh, social media I'm under the name Matt Rushing 2 I'm on Twitter, Instagram, Letterboxd, and Vero most actively. You can also find me, of course, with the bonus shows in the uh, 602 clip feed, Snyder Cuts, as well as Assembling Avengers, uh, doing literary treks about the books and the comics of Star Trek, The Orb about Star Trek Deep Space Nine, Warp 5 about Star Trek Enterprise, Saddle Up about Star Trek Strange New Worlds, and the artificial tango about Star Trek Picard and then over on the Nerd Party Network got two shows one's completed called Owl Post with uh, Drea Kaufman and I talking about every single chapter of the Harry Potter series one chapter at a time and last but not least we've also got aggressive negotiations I do with John Mills as we talk about Star Wars each and every week but thank you so much for joining us
0: and y'all come back now you hear